One of the reasons I think that I got my first job where I had no marketing experience, I had a psychology degree, nothing to do with marketing, was because I had an Etsy shop. I sold jar cakes, cakes baked in jars with a two-month shelf life in 2009. This was before Etsy was a big thing. Yeah. And it was so odd and random and it was this great story and it made me look entrepreneurial and creative. That got my foot in the door. For Monday, November 5th, 2018, this is episode 19, Marketing Yourself, my interview with Kristen Nepper for Work Like a Girl Wednesday. Kristen interviewed me about a few topics related to challenges we face as women, especially young women, when trying to market ourselves in order to advance our careers or personal brands. You can watch this interview in its entirety at youtube.com forward slash Emily Binder. Here's the audio only version. It's a few minutes longer than my usual cutoff, but I promise it'll be worth your while. Welcome to the Beatle Moment Marketing Podcast, a short weekly exploration of marketing, technology, and career. I'm Emily Bender. I answer to no one, and I make this for you. Let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone. Kristen Epper with Work Like a Girl, and welcome to Work Like a Girl Wednesday. I'm here today with Emily Bender, the principal at Beatle Moment Marketing. Emily, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Hi, Kristen. Hi. So you can, can you tell our audience a little bit about Beetle Moment and what it is that you do and provide? Sure. So I'm a voice marketing specialist. I consult with brands. I've been doing social media marketing and also digital marketing in general for about a decade. And recently I've focused my consulting practice on voice technology, uh, really with smart speakers, especially on Amazon. But in general, I help brands get more customers online by any means necessary. That's kind of fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? So like Alexa, you, you know, like if I'm like, hey, Alexa, I need toothpaste, you figure yeah. out how to, you know, whoever your customer is, get their toothpaste up on top of the list? Yes. And you're cool. on it because a lot of brands aren't even aware, but it's great that you thought of that example first, because especially for CPGs, if you're trying to sell on Amazon, you have to create audio content on We'll call her Lexi so I don't set off anyone's devices. Um, <laughs> like it's the new SEO, basically. You have to rank position zero on voice search. Wow. I would, I would never think of that. It's coming. It'll, it'll be like second nature <laughs> in a couple of years. I love that. You're way ahead of the curve, I feel like, on that one. Well, yeah. That's the point. <laughs> I want to do something that's out west where there isn't a lot of crowd. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I totally wanted to talk to you about the subject of marketing. It's interesting, you know, because we've spoken offline about women and their careers and how to advance. And one of the things that I see a lot of, and it goes back to more of a basic core, how we resist marketing, even though it's such a vital piece with business and then your personal brand, if you are working for a company and looking to get ahead, why is that? that There's such this resistance to the idea of marketing or even the word marketing, I feel like. Right. That's a good question. And my first inclination is it's rearing. So as young girls, whether it's implicit or explicit, we're taught not to be braggadocious or assertive or aggressive um, and to be more communally minded as opposed to individualistic, which is reserved for boys typically. I don't know if this is still the case with young kids today. They might be getting a completely opposite message. But I, for nowadays adults, this is my guess. It's, it's rearing and it's just the way that we're raised as girls to fit into this gender role of being a little more meek and 
servile to others. Yeah. And I see that a lot, especially when I am reviewing resumes and helping people prep for an interview. People will say, well, I worked on this team or I assisted or I drafted rather than I wrote this. And there's not a command with the regard to the language that's used around that. Have you noticed, noticed that as well? Absolutely. And okay. I remember feeling yeah. like I shouldn't brag when I would early days of my resume. Yeah, absolutely. And so how, what is your advice for women, you know, why this is important and how to get over that type of uh, hesitation, I guess you will, that need to be uh, humble? Mm. Well, I would say, I mean, I've read this advice before and I think it probably works, especially for women who have families. If you have to, in order to get over that mental hump of being too braggadocious, remember that you're actually trying to get a higher salary for your children, for your family, for their future. If you can't do it for yourself, just think, okay, well, I'm doing it for them. This is uncomfortable, but it's for them. I don't have that problem. I want to win for me. Right. I've been very much, I've, I've been a self-advocate and I've been comfortable with it. I've had the luck of having really wonderful bosses, mostly men, in fact, who have just championed me and pushed me. And I haven't experienced a lot of sexism, luckily. Like, it's been... Yeah. been <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that's fascinating. And I really love that because I think a lot of advice at first, I, you know, even though it's work like a girl, and even though we're giving advice to women, I hate that all the burden should be on women to advance their own career. That's an excellent point you made. You, you need champions, you need mentors, you need sponsors, you need to be cultivating those relationships. But I like the idea that you put forth this, you know, oh, make it or fake it till you make it. And that's just not always easy to do and not always simple for people. So if you need to think of somebody else that you're championing, your child, your spouse, whatever it happens to be, I really, really love the way you talk about that. You can also um, picture yourself as an 80-year-old woman. Do you want to retire without enough money? It matters in your 20s and your 30s. The more money you can make, the younger, the more time it has to grow. Compound interest. Now yeah. is time to make the biggest jumps you possibly can when it comes to your your salary. Absolutely. It really matters now. That's the yeah. difference of millions of dollars when you're retiring. Yeah, which is why it's so important to always negotiate your initial salary. And, to and I love the 80-year-old. My friend Julia had first provided that to me about decision-making. There was some, you know, personal thing I was dealing with. And she's like, well, what would your 80-year-old self say to you? But it's really, it's true not only with that, like, is this really going to matter? Are you getting that upset right now about something that you're probably going to forget about in 10 days, let alone 10 years, let alone, you know, another 40, 50 years, whatever it happens to be. And I think that's really a perfect way to look at it. I really like that. Speaking of branding and marketing, I have a question about personal and letting the personal drive the professional. So, you know, obviously we all have different interests. We all do things outside of work. If I have maybe a side hustle, maybe I make things for Etsy, or maybe there's some interest I have in, in coaching young girls to run. I used to be a coach for girls on the run, something like that. Is that something that I can utilize or you would recommend that women utilize to grow their professional brand? How do you see the two of those working together or meshing? I don't think you will stand out with your personal brand unless you bring a little bit of that extracurricular to the table. So yeah. Great example. So one of the reasons I think that I got my first job where I had no marketing experience, I had a psychology degree, nothing to do with marketing, was because I had an Etsy shop. I sold jar cakes, cakes baked in jars with a two-month shelf life in 2009. This was before Etsy was a big thing. Yeah. And 
it was so odd and random and it was this great story and it made me look entrepreneurial and creative. That got my foot in the door. Do something weird and off the wall. Like I used to make chess boards with my dad. I learned about woodworking. Like find an odd hobby that makes you stand out and then bring that to work. Like, I love bring it. it, you know, like bring them jar cakes as a gift or just in the, in the interview on your resume, you can talk about that and it will, it will catch someone's eye. I love that storytelling aspect of, I mean, and it brings our, our human aspect to the workplace, which I think for too long, and I do see it shifting a little bit, just that, you know, the, only the, the facts, ma'am type of attitude, which what are the details and how did you grow it and by how much and to be able to bring that. I do like that. It's, and I think too, you know, with that, it shows you what kind of company you want to work for. Don't you want to work for other humans who are going to appreciate your creative skills and your entrepreneurial uh, lens towards what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think something, this is more important now than ever because we're spending so much time wasting time, whether that's just scrolling through Instagram and an hour flies by and all you've done is made yourself feel worse about yourself. Yeah. So I've done that. <laughs> we all do it. And it's addictive. Yeah. These are engineered to be addictive. These, these social apps. So instead of that, just decide, okay, like you're a young woman, you're going to take, instead of this entire hour wasting on Facebook, 30 of those minutes, read a book about business, check your portfolio, talk to your parents and ask them for advice about something because they probably know more than you do. Yeah. Just try to have a little bit more of an educational positive input with that extracurricular and it will build over time. Yeah, I've tried to do, I mean, because I, who hasn't wasted an hour on Instagram, but I know one of the things that I have attempted to do if I'm scrolling through Facebook because I'm older than you or whatever it happens to be is checking people's marketing copy. Like, oh, okay, you're selling a program. I'm selling a program. What, how are you, you know, why did I stop on this ad? What language are they utilizing? So incorporating it into, and maybe you don't do marketing, maybe you do something else, but you're going to have ads pop up for what you want. And what are they doing that you're not doing that you can bring to your job? Great point. Yes. Yeah. The copy is so interesting. So always be paying attention. Like, why did I click on that? Well, I'm a digital marketing person. So I care about like, what color was the button? I always look at that. Not everybody's in my industry, but as far as marketing yourself, what catches your eye? Why is this person interesting? And usually when somebody's being vulnerable, that's when they catch your eye. When they're being yeah. really honest, saying the thing they're not supposed to say. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I think, and I love the fact that you mentioned that because it's so counterintuitive as to how we were taught to show up with regard to everything. And I think that it's not that you have an unpolished story, but you, you know, bring it, what is it? The no like, and trust, you would know this better than myself, that people buy from those or they hire those that they know, like, and trust. It's the same type of phenomenon. And so if you are authentic, if you are vulnerable, then you have the opportunity to, to move yourself to the top of the pile. Yes, totally. Absolutely. So, Speaking of, you know, the professional workforce and women, I have to ask you your thoughts because I know you do some work in this area with regard to women competing rather than being collaborative in the workforce. Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? What is your advice? Like I said before, I've been lucky to not have some really bad battle scars and horror stories about gender in the workplace. I've I've seen it in other areas. Like I've been on boards or I've volunteered. Um, there's always a little bit of a competition thing. I think in ways it kind of goes back to the jungle. Like we just compete differently with each other than men. Sometimes it's about who's the alpha female in the room. Um, but as far as the competition thing, I think probably it, it will get better in time as there are more women leaders who are visible because then younger women will see 
It's, you can't be what you can't see. If you don't see women at the top, you imagine, well, there's only probably room for one token woman or one token black person or whatever it is. And then you get cutthroat with each other because you're battling for scarcity. Yeah. So we all have to work together to make an abundance of open roles for people who simply deserve the roles. I think that's so wise. If I see eight board seats and I only see one woman on that board, I, look, I think to myself, consciously or subconsciously, I have one position that is available versus there are eight positions that are available. And there have been researchers, uh, one woman at Harvard that has spoken about that as, as well. Images matter so much. And unless we are aware of that and that is what is going on and then saying, okay, I have the power to change this. I'm seeing one, but there are actually eight and in doing the work and as you know, things change over time, we have the ability to make a difference. You asked about whether I've seen the competition or like how women handle it. And something that I just thought of is I have been very conscious even if it's not 100% true, to make it seem like things are great between women, especially when men ask me about it. And I don't know if this is a little bit dishonest. I, I think it's for our own good when I say, I haven't had a problem with a woman. We're not catty. We're not awful to each other. I haven't seen it, um, right. but I make a point. And then I'll have, I, especially some of my older friends, maybe 10, 15 years older than me will say like, I, women are so catty. We, I've had the hardest time in my career with other women trying to cut me down. I haven't experienced that luckily myself, but I make a point of saying, I don't think we're that way. My friends aren't that way. Like my generation that I know, I it's going to happen. But No, I mean, I think that's so important for a number of reasons. First and foremost, it gives people hope who are a little older that yes, you experienced this and yes, there was competition because there was scarcity at the time, but that is changing. And we don't have another generation coming up that believes that and we are changing it. And I think it's kind of those, uh, what we spoke about a moment ago too, a little bit of the fake it until you make it. Even if not every single interaction I've ever had has been fantastic and sunshine and roses, it doesn't mean that that's not possible in the next iteration and the next iteration. And, you know, in that sense where people are even asking you about it, I think that's the promotion of stereotypes that we do still have this idea that, women are catty and women do this and women are that way. And it's really funny that you mentioned that. I was out with a friend that I worked with uh, about 15 years ago. We worked in the same office and he and I were talking about you know, stereotypes regarding women. He mentioned a couple and I'm like, don't forget hysterical. Don't forget that we're hysterical when something goes wrong. He's like, yeah, I got to write that down. You know, we were just making light of things that are still being put forward in the media with regard to that. But the more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize de it, I believe. True. And the thing about hysterical, of course, makes me think you're not supposed to bring your crying whole self to work. Like, don't cry at work. Okay, don't be a human being. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes you yeah. have a horrible day. Sometimes you get triggered. And if we are all allowed to be a little more human and sensitive, that benefits everyone. It doesn't just make it okay to be womanly at work. You can be more human at work. Anyone right. can. Yeah, and I think that's so important because it, it kind of goes to something Joan Williams has spoken about with regard to being hyper-masculine or to toxic masculinity and mm -hmm. how there's such a small and narrow lens for how men are allowed to behave. So anything outside that scope of emotion, crying being among them, you know, expressing emotion at all, means that you're hysterical or overly so. Whether And the reality is what you just said, that it's just part of the human experience. And if we can accept that and allow men to be a little bit more feminine and women to be a little bit more feminine in that regard as well and give them their full spectrum of emotions. I think that's gonna make us 
just all a lot more authentic and whole. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we just saw recently with the Supreme Court nomination and that whole trial, who's allowed to be angry? Who's allowed to scream and have the veins bursting out of their forehead right. and not get called anything about it? Yeah, absolutely. That was acceptable. But if she had behaved that way, it would not have been acceptable. So no yeah, that's standard. yeah, absolutely. Still present. <laughs> so making progress, a long way to go. Still. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So Emma, if, Emily, if uh, people wanted to learn more about your work, uh, where would they go? Beetlemoment.com. That's Beetle with two E's. Everything's there. I have a podcast. I have a flash briefing on Lexi. And I've got a blog about marketing. I've also got a YouTube channel. So you can find all that at Beetlemoment.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for talking about this today. I think it's so important. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great talking with you. All right. And until next week, everybody, Kristen Epper, Work Like a Girl. Brought to you by our friends at Pippa. Pippa is the simplest, smartest way to share your podcast. Visit Beetlemoment.com forward slash P-I-P-P-A to get a $25 Amazon gift card when you sign up. And we thank Pippa very much for their support of the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review in Apple Podcasts. You can go directly to the page at bit.ly forward slash beetlepod. That's bit.ly forward slash beetlepod. And you can rate and review, which will help others find the show. Thank you in advance. I do appreciate your review. For more about the show or to consult with me, visit beetlemoment.com. Tweet me at Emily Bender. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next week.